Well, the Tigers technically sweep the San Francisco Giants about, what, 11 years too late? But they do get the job done. We'll take it. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On MLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All righty. Well, like I said, the Tigers technically finish a sweep of the San Francisco Giants. I know yesterday, I just threw myself off, like in my prep. I was like, "Oh, what's tomorrow's game?" I always put that in my prep so I can, you know, talk about the next tomorrow's game. And I was like, "The Giants." I know for a fact we play the Angels after. <laughs> and I just it was in my prep, and I just uh, confused my own self. So makeup game, and the Tigers win. Uh, really solid ball game all around. So I, I mean, we can get right into it here. Tarek Skubal started this ball game and was absolutely phenomenal. And I, I like to the point where saying he was absolutely phenomenal is I feel like somewhat of an understatement. Uh, his final line would end up being five innings, two hits, no earned runs, no walks, nine strikeouts. ZRA down to three, seven, one. It's wild just because he has like the one really bad outing. And besides that, it's like almost all zeros. Like his first two starts were shutouts. He didn't allow a run. And then this outing, he didn't allow a run. And then his last outing, like I said, was was dreadful, right? He, he was hanging everything and, and did he not even get out of the fourth inning? So very nice to see him get back on the horse for starters. But uh, I, I mean, just absolutely dismantled this Giants lineup. Uh, in 82 pitches, he would end the game with a 34 CSW percentage. That is phenomenal over a third of his pitches were called strikes or whiffs that is unbelievably impressive um and i mean he got multiple whiffs from pretty much every pitch he threw five from the four seam fastball four from the slider two from the changeup that he only threw 15 times and two from the curveball that he only threw five times everything was working for him only eight balls put in play total in this entire outing, uh, and only two of his pitches, he technically threw five different pitches because he threw four sinkers as well. In those five different pitches, only two got put in play more than once. <laughs> the slider got put in play three times, and the changeup got put in play twice. Just absolutely phenomenal. And the biggest thing for him in this outing, I guess if you're trying to compare and contrast this game versus his last outing that was rough, right? Uh, it really starts and ends with command and specifically command of his fastball. But really, in the last outing, what the, we talked about it then, obviously, but the first time through the lineup, he looked okay. Like the first couple of innings, he, he looked fine. And then it was that third and fourth inning, he got absolutely lit up like a Christmas tree, right? And that was because... 
everything started finding the middle of the zone. And, and uh, you know, it was kind of just like the first time that we saw, I don't know, not fatigue. I don't even want to call it that. I think he's more than capable of going like, you know, seven if, if the team was comfortable with that currently, which they're clearly not. Um, but it, it was the first time that since coming back from the injury that we were like, okay, like he's not just going to come like come back and just have a zero ERA no matter how many innings he throws. Like there is some like growing pains where he'll have to get reacclimated and and get reused to pitching, you know, 60, 70, 80 pitches. He threw 80 in this game, uh, 82, like I said, which is a fantastic sign. Uh, going five innings, longest outing of the year, all, all fantastic news. And I think, like I said, it, it really, command is the biggest thing. Um, but that change up today, I, I really liked, you know, when Scooble first came up, we were told like, because of his minor league numbers that he was some like mythical being when it came to striking people out. I want you to do yourself a favor and look at Tarek Scooble's double a strikeout rate. It is one of the most ignorant things I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's insulting to people that swing a bat for a living like it's it's disgusting right and so we had you know this was all this hype about how you know he's going to be this huge strikeout pitcher and and whatever and he came up and and he had swing and miss stuff very clearly he had a a, a mid-90s fastball that slider from the left side is absolutely phenomenal um but there was a work on the change up and b even a little bit of work still to be done on the fastball at the major league level. We've talked about a lot of different pitchers in this organization who have good fastballs in the minors, but not a major league fastball. There's a big difference between those two things, right? And coming back from his injury, he has gotten better when it comes to stuff. Now, obviously, he needs to, first and foremost, stay healthy. He has not consistently stayed healthy so far as a major leaguer. Uh, not necessarily a knock against him, but like it's objectively true. So that's like a, a big thing for starters. But the other thing is just when it comes to how he has looked since, like I said, like since coming back, this this four-seam fastball is substantially different. It's faster. It moves a little bit at the end. It is electric. And he already had a like good fastball by the end of it by the end of it, by the end of last year before he got shut down for the year. So it's awesome to see him like literally get better. That's, that's mind blowing to me that he, he, his stuff got better after not pitching for a year. And that was the other thing. I completely had an ADHD thing there and said a, and then didn't say B B was just going deeper into ball games. And that is kind of similar-ish, same like family tree as staying healthy, a little bit different. But like you want, if he wants to truly be like a top two pitcher in a rotation, you need to be able to give innings. And whether that's just being available every fifth day or whether that's going, you know, six, seven, eight innings into a ball game, one of those things has to be somewhat consistent. And so I'm really, really excited for Tarek Skubal. And I think that he's looked phenomenal since coming back outside of like I said, two innings in his last outing. And I think we're just at a point where now it's just making sure he stays healthy because everything else has fallen into place. And the changeup looked lethal. Like I said, that was the other part of development as well.
So looks amazing. Um, the bullpen in this game also looked phenomenal. Jose Cisnero gives up the solo homer. Uh, and then outside of that, Tyler Holton, man. I mean, goodness gravy. Tyler Holton is, is something else. He now has a 1-7 ERA, pitched one in the third, and had two strikeouts of perfect ball. It, it, there is a le- was a legitimate argument at the time for him to be our all-star representative. I still would have gone with Foley on July 2nd when the decision was made. But, like, if you were to re-vote on July... Actually, it might still be Lorenzen. If you were to re-vote, he's been on a heater, right? He hasn't given up a run uh, since June. Um, but it, it, it cannot be understated how great of a find Tyler Holton was by Scott Harris, how phenomenal this pitching coaching staff is, Juan Nieves, Robin Lund, Chris Fetter, uh, and, and how they've been able to really just take players like this who were like optioned or DFA'd by other organizations and turn them into legitimate threats out of the pen. Like Tyler Holton doesn't do anything like if you're looking at the the underlying metrics, he doesn't do anything that jumps off the page. He doesn't have the highest strikeout rate in baseball. He doesn't have the lowest walk rate in baseball. He doesn't have a crazy whiff rate. Uh, he doesn't have like the best average exit velocity against. Like it's not like he never gives up hard contact. But you know what he doesn't do? He does not give up runs. And at the end of the day, that is all that matters. And this dude has been elite at not allowing runners to cross the plate this season from the left side as well. And I think part of this as well, and we'll transition into that, this on the other side of the break uh, is just Hinch's bullpen management. And I know I had, you know, a field day yesterday and uh, was very critical of how Hinch bullpen managed the game on Saturday. Um, But like I'm still a massive AJ Hinch defender. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that conversation right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Game Time. Game Time rocks. You can forget planning months in advance because Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets somewhere else in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly where you're going to sit when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Just two taps, and you're all set. They're sent directly to your phone. You don't have to dig through your email, your purse, your wallet. So snag the tickets without the stress at game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Uh, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Shots to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game one of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim series as they uh, the Halos come into town. We'll talk about that a little bit at the end as well, kind of preview that. Um, so also be sure to check out the Tigers broadcast on the SiriusXM app. I know I tell y'all every day, but it's an awesome feature that I think everyone should know about. Literally just an app on your phone. You search Detroit Tigers, you have the home broadcast. It's very cool. Um, Okay, so uh, talking about the bullpen, I thought the bullpen was managed masterfully in this game. And I had a a lot of people, honestly, um, that because I have been such a uh, relative like hinge defender throughout the year, 
Um, and and then yesterday's episode, obviously, I kind of dug into to how Saturday was managed. Um, that were then criti- like saying to me about my analysis that whatever I was like flip flopping or uh, that that you know AJ is still a great manager. I completely agree. Like. <laughs> I, 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 there's a lot of people that, that don't like AJ Hinch. I am certainly not one of those people. I, I would be terrified if AJ Hinch left the Detroit Tigers tomorrow. I I think he uh, absolutely deserves to be the man for the job. I think that he has gotten us wins this year. And I think that the way he has managed the bullpen and the lineup outside of like my gripe with the Kerry Carpenter thing outside of that, I, I rarely have issues with AJ Hinch on a day-to-day basis as a manager. I, 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 he knows far more than me and uh, I put my trust in him uh, often. So I just wanted to clear the air a little bit there. Cause I had a lot of people <laughs> that uh, whatever, whether it was comments or DMS or tweets or whatever, that were saying things along those lines. And I, I don't recall ever saying that I said like thought AJ was an awful manager on yesterday's show. But if I did, then that was just the heat of the moment, and I absolutely didn't mean it. So, bullpen in this game, Tyler Holton, great. Jason Foley closes the door. He gets the ninth because it's not a safe situation. Um, the walk was really out of character, and I thought kind of brutal, to be honest. Like, he, it was a 2-2 it was a count. He threw two straight balls. That's very, very out of character. Um, and, I, and I'm sure he was just as frustrated as anybody to do that. But uh, Jason Foley, I, you know, you want to talk about like Tyler Holton being one of the more under the radar relievers in the year. I think there's an argument that Jason Foley is the single most underrated reliever in the entire game of baseball. And I know that I'm very biased and I watch him every day and I know more about the Tigers than any other roster, but like in terms of like truly dominant is what Jason Foley has been this year relievers. Like, yes, he doesn't get strikeouts. He's not going to get a ton of swings and misses, even though he had a hundred mile an hour whiff to end the ball game on Monday. Um, he does his job at an elite level. He gets ground balls better than almost any reliever out there. Like it, it I genuinely think there's an argument. He's one of the most under under valued und, underrated. I can't believe I just forgot the word underrated, even though I just said it 30 seconds ago um, relievers in, in the certainly the entire American league, maybe the entire game of baseball. So just want to give him his flowers as well. Cisnero giving up a home run, like, He's given up two homers now since the episode where I said that I thought we were going to trade him. That's super cool, dude. Thanks a lot. Um, I still think it's probably in the Tigers' best interest to do so, but it's always funny how that works. Um, okay, let's talk about the lineup. So uh, Javi Baez is not in the lineup in this ball game. Uh, it was another scheduled. I don't even know if scheduled's the day the like the right the right word. Goodness, but it was another day off that was the reason cited was to like give him a mental kind of rest day that's like two in the last week maybe even sooner is that two in the last like five days four days two in the last half week like that that's that's often right that's often to i don't know like i i i don't know of too many people that get bench for like oh they've been struggling lately we want to give them a day off like what are we going to do it once a week for the next four years I don't know it's it's just wild to me and like he's gotten some hits the day following getting a a day off so maybe if we do this like every other day thing this is obviously a joke but like genuinely that that was really eye-popping to me a lot of people were just like oh yeah like he's not in the lineup whatever like if he's not hurt 
that's that's frequent. That's rather frequent. So we'll we'll kind of keep an eye on that heading into the deadline and, and in the second half, certainly. Um, but outside of that, that was really the only like big lineup thing that was noticeable to me. I guess Jake Rogers back in the nine hole uh, is is somewhat noticeable just because he had been closer to the heart of the lineup lately. Um, but besides that, a pretty straightforward uh, traditional t- 2023 Tigers lineup. Um, let's talk about some of the the key contributors. First off, Riley Green is unbelievable. I three for four, two runs scored. His average is now three oh nine, and he has an eight thirty seven OPS. He's miraculous. Like I, I genuinely don't think whatever you you think Riley Green's ceiling is. My opinion of it is it's probably not high enough. Like I think the world of this dude, and this is dating back to when when they were both in the minors. Like this is dating back to to the very early days of me as the host of this show when they were both in Double A. Or even even before I took over this show, and I was just an annoying dude on the internet. Like this is, uh, you know, Spencer Torgelson. I, I, you know, he's going to be a probably a solid hitter, right? And, and going to hopefully, if everything works out, be a middle of the lineup bat. But Riley Green was always the the star in this, and I know he didn't go one one like two other guys in this system did. But like Riley Green was always it, like set since very, very early on. And I think we're finally seeing that come to fruition. And it's awesome to see. He is unreal and he is not 100%. I'm not going to speak to, to, I don't think he's 100% healthy just by like watching him, but I, I can't speak to that notoriously. I'm not a doctor, as I say all the time, but oh, I'm just like not in the clubhouse. I don't know the guy. I'm, I, I don't know. Um, clearly, he's healthy enough for them to play him. But just in terms of, even if he is fully healthy right now, just in terms of of what he's doing in the batter's box, like he is consistently hitting the ball and spraying it to all parts of the field. He has the consistent gap power and whatnot. He still has not untapped the power to the pull side that he had in the minor leagues. And it is coming and it will happen. And it's going to be unreal. He has like, he had an OPS over a thousand in May. It might be over a thousand since the start of May. Like he, and I know, you know, he missed five weeks in there or whatever, but like he's, he's unreal. And, and he's only going to continue to get better. Like when he fully untaps the pull side, pull, lift the ball in the air power that he had consistently in the minors and continues to make those adjustments. Seriously. Watch out. We, we have a star. We have one. And his name is Riley green. Okay. And that's super exciting. Um, Spencer Torgelson, two more hits, continues to stay hot. Uh, 233 average, 723 OPS, gets an RBI single as well. Nice little clutch hit there. And then Kerry Carpenter, two for four with two RBIs. That was my transition, you know, to the, the top part of this lineup was phenomenal in this ball game. Uh, Zach McKinstry, I guess, 0 for again. But the Riley Green, Spencer Torgelson, Kerry Carpenter back to back to back has been unbelievably productive uh in when they are back to back to back which is not like an everyday thing given riley's getting days off for the injury carrie carpenter we all know about the platoon thing uh and torgelson sometimes bat second but like this iteration of these three there i think has been has been really really solid and you can go back to the the opening day episode we had right like 
not that I expected Kerry Carpenter to do what he's doing. I, that, that certainly he has blown away my expectations and I'm very pleased with that. Um, but back on like the, the, what to expect out of the Tigers this season episode in March, uh, we had said on here, like, you know what? I I think that the top part of this lineup is actually going to be able to produce some runs and get some runners on base on a consistent basis. It's just a matter of, it can the middle part of the lineup score those guys and can the bottom part of the lineup score those guys. And that is when these three are together, that's kind of what we're starting to see. Like the ball is finally rolling a little bit to, to where you can see a semblance of like, Oh, I can see the vision for like how this lineup is going to score runs for the next five years. And it's very exciting that I think it, I don't know about starts and ends with those three, like hopefully we bring in more talent and we can, you know, like Colt Keith is hopefully a top of the lineup hitter at one point. Like there's more talent to come for sure, but you're, you're starting to see a semblance of like an actual offensive game plan, which I don't think this team has had since 2016. And that's exciting. Okay. Let's uh, yeah, let's keep the ball rolling. I want to talk about Jake Rogers as well. Uh, we will do that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Uh, be sure to check out the Tigers home broadcast on the Sirius XM app. Just search Detroit Tigers and the home broadcast will come up. We got legends in that booth. All right. Future, uh, future Hall of Famer for sure. Uh, certainly. So be sure to check that out. Very, very cool feature. And uh, yeah, easy way to listen to our great broadcast team. Um, so talking about the offense in this game, like, 12 hits, I mean, you're always going to take 12 hits. Four for 10 with risk. I'm going to take a 400 average with runners in scoring position pretty much every day of the week. Uh, Javi did pinch hit. He struck out. Um, I don't think anyone's, like, too terribly surprised by that. Um, I, Yeah, I don't, I don't – I'm not even going down the rabbit hole again. You, you guys – you guys know what I'm going to say. Everyone's well aware of, of my stance of Javi Baez uh, and, and what I think he needs to do. Um, yeah. Andy Abanez with a knock. Um, he's been solid, man. He, he's been a solid pickup. Uh, Miguel Cabrera with a hit up the middle. Good to see Miggy. I mean, 650 OPS. Like, it's, it's certainly not good. Not even close to league average. But, like, a lot better than the 440 he was rolling out there at the beginning of May, right? So nice to see him turn it around and, and actually be able to give the team some productive at-bats, albeit all singles, in his final season. Nice way to send him off. I did have someone shoot. I'm not going to remember who it was. I guess I could check if I really wanted to. I apologize. I'm really bad at that. I remember things people send me or like comment about, but I never write down their names and that's super unprofessional of me because I want to give everybody credit. So I'll try and be better about that. But I've had multiple people too, specifically, I know uh, that have asked me about Nick Maton and him consistently getting at bats, the recalling him, et cetera. Um, we talked a little bit about it when he first did get recalled and, and how I disagreed with the decision. That being said, when John and Scope got DFA'd, uh, if it wasn't going to be like Colt Keith or Justin Henry Malloy or someone that like is a decently known prospect that's doing pretty well, that can play the infield, it was just going to be Maton again. Now, I have my qualms with this. Like I, I don't think that Nick Maton could have possibly fixed his inability to hit non-fastballs in 
like 11 games in AAA. I, I, I have no idea how that's even remotely possible. Uh, I, I hope I'm wrong, but he has three hits since coming back off the IL. And one of them was in his first game back. It was the home run slider that everyone laughed at me about it. Again, objectively funny. I, I know I've said that a million times, but um, so uh, like two hits since his first game back. And there's just not a lot of like hard contact pretty much. He's not striking out a boatload, which I guess is, I don't know, like a, a step in the right direction. If you want to get like super nitty gritty with it. Um, but like, it's just all cans of corn to the outfield, man. It is all just routine flyouts. nothing in the gap, nothing over anybody's head, nothing that's going over like 300 feet. Like it's all just like 250 foot, like routine flyouts for the outfielder barely has to move. Um, and I, I, again, like Maton's value right now, I know some people think he has none. He, the, the value he has is he's never going to have a quick at bat and he's going to walk like that's, that's an objective truth. If you look at his walk rate compared to everybody else in baseball, he has like one of the, he's in the top. I think he's still in the top five or 6% in all of baseball in walk rate on the season. So like, Bad batting average, no power outside of the occasional home run he's run into. Um, he has been a negative defender. Like, I'm not trying to just trash the dude. I still think that he, you know, unlike a lot of people, I still think he actually has a future of being a major league hitter. Um, but it's all just hitting major league off-speed and breaking balls. And I'm just, I we didn't see him, like, magically turn that around in AAA. And even if he did, there's a difference between AAA breaking balls and major league breaking balls. So, like... It just, it all comes down to that. And the reason why he's in the lineup, uh, there's not an alarming, like, better option at third base currently. Um, that was a problem going into the year. And if Maton didn't work out, that was going to be a massive issue. And it, and it has. Um, so there isn't, like, I want to see Veerling play third more. I'll just say it. Like, I i have openly endorsed that since March. Uh, I don't care if he sucks. Like, Nick Maton is in the first percentile and outs above average, like a, a very well-known defensive stat, like first percentile. That's bottom 1% of the league in, in that defensive metric. Like I, I want to see other people get an opportunity there. Um, but putting him like seventh in the lineup, get him to draw a walk, make the pitcher's pitch count go up. If you don't have any better options, I guess you're at least getting something out of putting him there. And again, if you still believe there is a future of him being, I didn't expect to talk this long about Nick Maton today, um, but if you still think there is a route to him being a major league hitter, which again, I still think there is, even if it's not like a, you know, 80% chance or anything, even if it's a, no matter what percent chance you think it is, you need to give him looks against major league off-speed stuff and breaking balls to see if he actually can ever figure out how to consistently hit him. So that's the best I can answer that. I know it's not a very great answer, but like that's pretty much as good as I can do. Uh, Jake Rogers has been on a heater and a lot of people don't like Jake Rogers, which is mind boggling to me because he's so good at his job and he's never going to be a high batting average guy. Jake Rogers is never going to bat 280, um, but his OPS has been around league average the entire season. Even when his batting average was 180, his OPS was still around league average and I tweeted this out, but since June 9th, not July 9th, June 9th, we're closer to this being a two-month sample size than a one-month sample size. His batting average is 284. His OPS is 874. 
The highest OPS on the Detroit Tigers on the season right now is 837. His OPS has been 874 since that stretch. And he is obviously an elite pitch framer, a plus-plus arm. There's a lot of arm, like catcher arm stats these days that he grades out as some of the best in baseball. And is just all around a, a good game caller, in my opinion. That's relatively subjective. And he's a good defender behind the plate. He has some a pass ball thing because he does the pitch framing down on one knee thing that I don't like. But like, you know, give and take. So... So the people that just despise Jake Rogers just because he doesn't have a high batting average, um, you're almost going on two months of him with a batting average over 280. Now his average still on the year is 216, which is a testament to how low it was. But he gives you power. He walks a boatload. He's been getting more hits lately. He only has one game in the entire month of July where he doesn't have a hit in it. He has played in 11 games now in July. He has hits in 10 of them. It's great to see, and it, to the to the. I mean, if you look at WAR, based on like if you prorate the amount of games he's played, he's been one of the more valuable relievers. Relievers, goodness, catchers, literally in the entire game of baseball. So, to all those the 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 people out there that are you know we need to address catcher, we need to address catcher. Yes, we do, but. To replace Eric Haas long-term, not Jake Rogers. Jake Rogers is absolutely going to be the catcher on this team for the next several years, and he deserves to be, and we should be glad that he is because he's a really good one. Okay, awesome. Uh, Angels preview. So the Angels are in a fascinating spot. I have a large part of my friend group that is Angels fans. This is going to be a very stressful week for yours truly. Um the Angels are in a very fascinating spot. They are 51 and 49. All eyes are on them to see if they're going to trade Shohei Otani or not. And as it stands right now, the latest the reports change every day. It's so annoying. I tweeted this out too, but like I got a report yesterday on Sunday rather that said the Padres were going to trade Hader and Snell and then I got a report right before first pitch in the Tigers game on Monday that they weren't anymore. Like I do I I love deadline day itself because it's awesome. I despise the week leading up to deadline day. And especially like now being a part of like the media, it drives me nuts, dude. I It is so stressful and, and so frustrating to be honest with you. So um, the Angels though are really walking the line. Like if you think the Tigers are in a tough decision about whether to, to sell or stand pat or buy at the deadline, um, you should check in on the Angels community and check in on their team. They are two games on over, rather, 500 at the time of this recording, 51 and 49. They are eight games out of their division, and they are four games out of the third wildcard spot. They are about as fringe as it gets heading into the deadline to the point where every single game is pretty much a playoff game atmosphere for that fan base because they know – that if they want on a hundred percent guarantee that they're keeping Otani and the other pieces around him, they need to win nearly every single game from here until the deadline. They need to have a great week. We're exactly one week away at the time of this recording. They need to have a fantastic week. And the Tigers, now with a three-game set against them, have a really interesting opportunity to just throw a complete wrench 
in what the angels are doing and could like not single-handedly because i don't think like any one series determines that much but like they could play a large factor in what the angels end up doing at the deadline which is a fascinating spot for both teams to be in it's at home uh the tigers will play at 6:40, 6:40, and 110 eastern time the pitching matchups for all three are out we don't get that very often these days griffin canning against erod uh today then we have uh, Patrick Sandoval against Michael Lorenzen. Lorenzen, a revenge game, was an angel last season. Uh, on Wednesday and then Thursday, the day game will be Matt Manning for the Detroit Tigers and Chase Silseth for the Angels, uh, having not too bad of a year, but a, a depth pitcher that was not supposed to be part of the rotation at this point. So we'll see what happens. I mean, these are the Angels are throwing out three pitchers that – all have an ERA over four, and the Tigers are throwing out Erod Lorenzen Manning. <laughs> Two six nine ERA, three four nine ERA, three one nine ERA. You have a chance to really do damage here, and you also have a chance to really take damage here because the Angels are still star studded and still have a pretty good supporting cast. I obviously, whatever, that's a different argument. Have some pieces that would get moved at the deadline that other people would be uh, would want if they were to go on a huge skid here outside of just Otani was my point. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, the Tigers are currently six and a half out at the time of this recording. I'm recording this before the twins Mariners game on Monday night though. So that could go back down to seven or go to six. Um, yeah. I mean, if there's any hope for the Tigers to like not trade a lot of people, like if you're still really holding on to hope there, I love you for starters, um, but the uh, you would need, A, the Tigers to go on a huge heater and almost win every game from now until the deadline over the next week, and B, you would need the Twins to start losing some games because they are now pulling very quietly are five games over 500. They've pulled ahead a little bit. They're 8-2 and two since the break um, and on a W3 as well. So, okay, that's all I got. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game one against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I still call them that because it's fun. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.